Today's passage is Acts 21, and in it we see the difficulty of unity. Uh, So now imagine this, Paul is coming back from his third missionary journey. The churches throughout um, Asia Minor and Greece are growing, and they are growing largely from Gentile believers. Paul is on his way back with an entourage of these Gentile believers. They stop, they are told by the Spirit not yet to go to Jerusalem. They go to Caesarea first, where they meet Philip the Evangelist, who has four unmarried daughters. These are probably teenagers. And what's important is they are prophesying the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon women, not in Jerusalem. Is a reminder again of what the real mission of the Holy Spirit is and to whom that mission truly is for. Now another prophet named Agabus comes and tells Paul, at the hands of the Jews, you're going to be delivered into the Gentiles. Now isn't this funny, right? This is the mission of Paul, to go the message to the Jews, to the Gentiles. And yet, this is also the way that you're going to be persecuted. And they tell him, don't do this, don't do this. And Paul, like the Lord Jesus, says, right, I'm ready to die uh, if this is God's will. And it becomes clear that it is. So they go. But then before Paul is persecuted by the Jews, first there is a contention within the church. They meet up with James. Uh, Now there's, in quick research, there's a little bit different uh, views on what has happened to Peter at this point. Um, and where he is, but he's not in Jerusalem. It's being led by James, and they have a concern, which is that, Paul, you're going around talking about Jesus, but you're not having people follow the customs of Moses. And I think it's a little shady how they begin this argument, because they say, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews, verse 20. They're saying, our church is bigger than yours. And so our church that is bigger than yours, you know, we have more theological priority. Paul, though, he doesn't, um, he doesn't oppose them uh, in the same way that he opposes Peter in different places, because Peter was saying, you have to be circumcised. Uh, and James here is taking a more moderate route, which is to say, uh, why don't you do the rites of purification as a symbol? Um, but as for the Gentiles, verse 25, who believed, you know, just have them abstain from sexual morality and from uh, food offered to idols. Paul acquiesces to this. And I think that it is important to say that the gospel is the same for all people. And the gospel unites us. But in our individual customs and in how we apply the gospel, there can be differences. And we have to be aware of that, especially, you know, if for us at um, a church that has both first generation Korean speaking and for second generation English speaking, it's often easy for one side to say, you know, the way we do things is better or the way we do things is right and your way of doing it is wrong. And we have to rem- we have to keep in mind that the gospel we must be adamant over, but our customs and our traditions, we don't always necessarily need to be as adamant for. And for many of those things, we end up uh, doing what blesses the church. And I think Paul does that here. But then the unity which he has brought is the same unity which brings him persecution. Uh, Because the argument against him by the Jews is uh, you don't teach 
everybody the same law, um, and you've even brought Greeks into this temple. Now, Paul hasn't physically brought Greeks into the temple of Jerusalem, but he can't deny that he has brought Gentiles into the temple of God. And so he is taken and he is beaten and uh, he is misunderstood because in verse 38, uh, this tribune, right, what he has heard from the crowd that he couldn't really understand is, wait, are you the guy that led 4,000 assassins from Egypt? And Paul is like, no, uh, I'm actually a Roman from Tarsus. And that gives him standing to speak to the crowd. You know, we do struggle with the unity within the church, especially when we have different mission fields, especially when we have different um, cultures and contexts. And that creates tension that must be overcome by the adamants in the gospel. But we also have to remember that when we are united in Christ, it will make us at odds with the world. That if we are united when it comes to social justice, racial reconciliation, when we're united when it comes to intergenerational uh, bridges, when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to generosity, that is going to make us different from the world. And they are not going to like that most of the time. And so I hope that, you know, especially in today's cultural climate where a lot of people like to talk about unity, but so often it is unity around conformity. It is unity uh, around you becoming more like me. And if you aren't willing to do that, then we won't be united. And the gospel urges us to be united around the cross, around Christ, even if that doesn't mean that we always, everyone conforms to the same uh, traditions. That can be difficult. Uh, that will put us at odds with co-workers and classmates, but it should be an encouragement where we understand we cling to the power of the gospel.